0: Assalamualaikum. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Islam Living History Program. My name is Dr. Muhammad Iqbal and I'll be your host for the next hour or so of this program. As uh, listeners will know, the Living History team are producing a series on the history of Ahmadiyyat or the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Part 1 and Part 2 have already been broadcast and are available on SoundCloud at the um, a website www.voiceofislam.co.uk Under the Living History Programs Part 1 covered the advent of the promised Messiah And Madhi alayhi salam Mirza The founder of the amdiya Muslim community And part 2 covered the life and services Of Hazrat Maulvi bin Nuruddin The first Khalifa or Caliph as we say in English Who led the community after the death of the founder the word khalif or khalifa literally means successor. In today's program, which is part three of the series, we will be covering the life and services of Hazrat Mizzab Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, the second khalifa or khalif of the Amdi Muslim community. He is also referred to as Hazrat Muslim Maud or the promised son in line with the prophecy of the promised Messiah, Mahdi and the worldwide Amdi Muslim community. Celebrate the fulfillment of this prophecy on the 20th of February every year His Khilafat period lasted 51 years from 1914 to 1965 The longest period for a Khalifa in the community To explore the extraordinary life and services of this great leader I am joined by my fellow panelist Yusuf Afthab Who you all know from previous programs well Aslam, Aslam, Dr. Aslam. Aslam. Um, who you're all familiar with, and with a new panelist and a member of the Living History team, Munir Ahmed. Welcome, Munir. as So welcome to both of you. Now, Munir, uh, just a brief introduction because it's his first program. Munir is one of our highly respected members of the UK, Amdia um, Muslim community, having served as president of the Huddersfield Jamaat of the community and held a number of important regional posts also. Professionally, uh, Munir has held a number of senior positions in the UK um, housing sector, including as chief executive. Now, you like,
1: well, sir, uh, thank you very much for your. Uh- very kind words in my introductions. I hope and pray that uh, I can do justice uh, to, Inshallah, to, to, the, Inshallah. Uh, to the history I, I, of Ahmadiyya. It would be
0: well. great to have you as a member of our uh, team. Jazakallah. Now, before I um, uh, bring them in and start with our program, just a note for our listeners. This is a history program, so we cover a lot of information in, in depth. And normally in Muslim culture, in, in Islam, we pay due respect to our prophets and uh, revered people. So when we normally mention the Holy Prophet wasalam, uh, which means peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, we say peace be upon him. And in the Promised Messiah, Mahdi, wasalam, we say Alayh Salaam, or one of the Khulfa, who is a companion uh, to uh, say the Promised Messiah, we say Razi Allah and hope. And then the Khalifa who came later on, as in the third caliph and the fourth caliph, we call Rh, as a term that's referred. So, of course, we want to give all due respect, but we, tend to, we will tend to leave them out in this so that the flow is a bit easier. I just wanted to make sure listeners understood the reasoning for that, but all, all the respects uh, are due. So, before we start on the life of uh, the second uh, caliph, let me just put it in perspective from the founder of the Muslim community. In, in fulfillment of uh, his mission, the holy founder of the Amdiya um, Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the promised Messiah, Mahdi, salam, had told his followers the following prophecy, I, I would say, and I'll read it to you. This is from Ruhani uh, Khazayim, volume 11, um, uh, Anjama Atham, page 64, and uh, I quote, Rest assured that this is a tree planted by the hand of God. He will never permit it to go to waste. He will not be satisfied until he has seen it through to its fullness. He will see to it that it is well irrigated and will build a protective fence around it. Thus God will bless my followers with astounding progress and prosperity. So today uh, we see a mighty and prosperous tree of the Amdiya Muslim community with its roots in every corner of the world. And by the grace of Allah, Ahmadiyyat has spread to almost every country in the world, thus fulfilling Allah's promise to Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad a.s. Um, Again, there was a prophecy given to the founder, I shall cause thy message to reach the corners of the earth. And this is being fulfilled in every respect, especially with our television channel MTA and of course Voice of Islam is now being heard on the internet throughout the world. So let's get back to our main subject, and that's uh, the life and services of our second uh, caliph. So, Munir, perhaps we could start with his birth and uh, his uh, uh, early years, please.
1: The birth of Hazrat Mizra Bashiruddin Mahmud is particularly important in the history of the Ahmadiyya, as it is an answer to the prayers of the promised Messiah and the Mahdi. In the course of championing Islam in his groundbreaking and historical book, Brahini Ahmadiyya, The Promised Messiah had challenged the whole world to witness the truth of Islam. And as a result, the Hindus of Qadian wrote to the Promised Messiah and they had the first right to be shown any such signs, but these signs should be over and above human capabilities. So when the Promised Messiah turned to prayers, Allah Almighty told him that his prayer will be answered in Hushayarpur.
0: This is a city nearby to Qadian where where, where he was located. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Yes,
1: now in 1886, the promised Messiah retired to the quiet town of Hushyarpur to worship in seclusion. And he desired to pray earnestly to God that may he turn around the fortunes of Islam and restore the dignity and honor of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And in 40 days of the Chila, the promised Messiah prayed day and night fervently for a son who would be able to carry out and fulfill the desires and all the necessary qualities of this onerous task. And after the 40 days, the promised Messiah published a notice where he declared that God had answered his prayers and he would vouchsafe a pious and noble son who would fulfill the prophecy and would gain fame throughout the world through his extraordinary qualities and accomplishments. I've uh, read this a number of times but the prophecy regarding the promised reformer if you read this again and again and again it is so detailed that even every word the prophecy has come true and there is no distinction in terms of uh, anything which you you can say is is different. So the prophecy reads which was in Istikhar on 20th of February 1886 Rejoice there that a handsome and pure boy will be bestowed on thee. Thou will receive an intelligent youth who will be of thy seed and will be of thy progeny. He has been invested with Holy Spirit and he will be freed from all impurity. He is the light of Allah. Blessed is he who comes from heaven. He will be accompanied by grace which shall arrive with him. He will be characterized by grandeur, greatness and wealth and he will come into the world and heal many of their ills through the messianic qualities and through the blessings of the Holy Spirit. He is the word of Allah, for Allah's mercy and honor have equipped him with the words of majesty. And then it goes on, says, He will be extremely intelligent and understanding and will be meek of heart and will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. He will convert three into four. Of this, the meaning is not clear. But he will pour his spirit upon him and he will be sheltered under the shadow of God. He will grow rapidly in stature and will be the means of procuring the release of those held in bondage. His fame will spread to the ends of the earth and people will be blessed through him. He will then be raised to his spiritual station in heaven. This is a matter decreed.
0: Now, this prophecy was spread throughout um, um, Gadiyaan and India across uh, as much as possible through publications, etc. Now, on the 12th of January, 1889, a son was born to the promised Messiah and his wife, Hazrat Nusrat Jahan Begum, and they named him Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad. The birth of this child was to prove a great bounty for Hazrat Mirza Ghulam A.S. in many ways, within a couple of months of Mirza Bashiruddin Amirudh birth, the promised Messiah and Mahdi laid the foundations of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by taking the first bath in Ludhiana on the 23rd of March, 1889. So this was a true blessing for the community in many ways. Uh, around his birth, the community was started and then of course, the whole chapter for the Amnia community started. So, Yusuf, if you can take us through uh, his early upbringing.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Dr. Iqbal. And, and you know, obviously the, the prophecies that were told to the Promised Messiah salam, when he went out there to Hasharpur, a fulfillment in some of the things that we'll see here of the earlier upbringing of uh, Hazrat Mizra Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmed. So his, his nurturing um, and his childhood was carried out in the, the uh, sacred house of the Promised Messiah, salam, and the Promised Messiah um, gave utmost attention to ensuring that all his children were taught values and ethics and were brought up in according to an Islamic uh, edicts. So once the promised Messiah found that Mizra Bashiruddin Mumtaz had missed his schooling whilst he was playing out, as as you can imagine, you know, as kids do with friends and so forth. But in the, instead of scolding, that can happen with parents uh, in, and nowadays. Um, the young Mahmood, uh, to be serious about his studies, the Promised Messiah, he, he just stated this, he said, if you are that same Mahmood about whom God has given me glad tidings, then go and play, God would teach you himself. And then Sahib Zahidah Mia began to see true dreams and visions from a very early childhood. Once Malvi Surver Shah Sahib asked uh, Saib Zahidah Mia Mahmood if he, like his father, the Promised Messiah, also received revelations and dreams. To this, Zada Mir Mahmud replied that he frequently saw that he was leading a very large army. Malvi Surva Shah Saib narrates that he was convinced that from that day that Zada Mir Mahmud would lead the Jamaat On another occasion, Saib Mir Mahmud also saw a dream that an angel appears and asks him, "What would you like to, uh, would you like to learn the Tafsir of Surat Al-Fatiha?" To this, he said, "Yes." The angel began to teach him the deeper meanings of this Quranic surah and its profound wisdom. This was one example of how divinely inspired knowledge was bestowed to him. And and this was part of that prophecy in Subhazistiyar, you know, uh, known as the Green Announcement. So uh, Mirza Mahmood, Ahmed, um, narrated that although he forgot what he had learnt immediately upon waking up later, whenever he was to speak on Surat Al-Fatiha, newer meanings of this chapter would become uh, come to his mind. So, despite this absence from uh, schooling, the promised Messiah did instruct Saib Zadamia Mus- uh, Mia Sab to study from uh, Hazrat Mawlvi Nuruddin, the first caliph, um, the translation of the Quran, the hadith from Sayyid Bukhari, as well as study some traditional medicine because that was part of their family traditions. He duly followed this instruction and he would take these lessons with another student called. Hafiz Rosh and Ali, and, um, and these, were, these lessons were taken by Malvi Hakim Nuruddin. Mm-hmm. Often, a Malvi Saab would read the passage aloud, and he would, uh, on his own, uh, once um, Mia Mahmood could not, due to his sore eyes, and he quite struggled with the infections of the eyes. It was a habit of Hafiz Saab to frequently ask uh, Malvi Nuruddin Saab questions. So, influenced by this behaviour, Saibzada um uh, Mirza Mahmood Saab, um, sort of um, uh, followed that same sort of uh, tradition. And Mubi at that time, um, so the, the first caliph, did not tolerate it and, and, and uh, told him off. Instead of, he advised him that you should find and explore these answers to these queries yourself. And, and this later served as a, as a very good narrative or as a Muslim mouth. And it attributed to his sort of deep understanding of the various Islamic issues, and, and, and again, sort of reflected upon that prophecy that Allah would teach him deeper meanings of, of the Quran.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, sadly, uh, the event that, that was to shock him and much of the community arrived when the promised Messiah, Mehdi alayhi salam, passed away. Um, the passing away of the promised Messiah on the 26th of May 1908 uh, was devastating. Um, However, uh, Sahib Zadamiya Mahmud, despite being merely 19 years of age Observed the loss with fortitude and made a very determined vow At the bedside of the promised Messiah And his words uh, um, uh, really really strike a chord uh, uh, in all all Amadi hearts And he said, O God, I make a vow before thee with a sincere heart That even if the whole Jamaat were to abandon Amadiat I would still endeavor to spread thy message to the corners of the world which you delivered through the promised Messiah. Now at this crucial moment, God Almighty once again showed his helping hand. There was a spontaneous and overwhelming call by all the followers of the promised Messiah, salam, that Hazrat Hakim Nuruddin Sahib should now lead them as the first caliph. And Zada Mia Mahmood was in the forefront of remaining faithful in his allegiance to Hazrat Khalifat al Masih I. In 1912, um, uh, Saib Zaidamiya Mahmud undertook a journey to Egypt for acquiring knowledge of Islamic studies and uh, Arabic. However, due to certain circumstances, he could not proceed, but instead went to Mecca for Hajj and also visited Medina. This was a most spiritually elevating experience for him, uh, and he returned to Qadian after a few months. So he went through quite an interesting formative uh, stage. Let's now move on to uh, the developments where the first caliph was uh, e- elected and the role played by um, uh, it was Muslim Maud, Mr. Abishiruddin Mawad al Munir.
1: Uh, on Friday, March 13, 1914, Hazrat Murvi Nuruddin passed away the saddened members of the Jama'at began to gather in very large numbers in Qadiyan. And the opponents of Khilafat got to work too immediately. A well-prepared 21-page long pamphlet began to be distributed, which tried to disprove the needs of the Khilafat and for the superiority of Anjuman. It agreed, though, that in the light of Hazrat Khalifa Awal's wishes, a nominal head of Amir, not Khalifa, Amir, could be chosen. And this was a very dangerous move at a very, very sensitive time in the history of the Jamaat. Sahib Zada Mia Mahmood met Molvi Muhammad Ali and tried to convince him that election of the next Khalifa was of paramount importance given that a large number of people had gathered. Molvi Muhammad Ali argued that any decision in haste would be unhelpful and wanted to delay the resolution of this issue for a few months, pending a full discussion of the Jamaat. And Sabzada Zahid Mahmud replied that the prior elections of Hazrat Khalifa, Khalifatul Awal in the first instance had already resolved this debate. There was no further debate beyond this. He even went to the length of saying that he was willing to do bath on the hands of anyone from the party of Molvi Sahib for the sake of uniting the Jamaat. The unity was the most important thing for the Jamaat. And furthermore, he questioned the wisdom of any delay since the Jamaat would be without a guiding leader in this. While this conversation, however, ended fruitlessly. People had gathered in Masjid Noor at Qadiyan on March the 14th after Asa prayers. A few elders spoke of the necessity of continuation of Khilafat. And amongst them, most notably, Molvi Ahsan Amrohi Sahib, said that Sahib Zadda Mahmud was the right choice as a Khalifa. Nawab Muhammad Ali read Hazrat Khalifa Awal's will where he asked the Jamaat to have a new leader. And there were many people who chanted that this will be carried and that Mia Sahib should be elected. Many other Sahabas of the Promised Messiah, including Mulvi Sarva Sahib, Sahaba
0: means the companions.
1: Yes, and Mulvi Sarva Sahib also requested Sahib Zadda Mia to take oath of birth and after some delay and reflection sabzada Mia mahmud decided to take the bath following which he spoke of his personal conviction the high stature in which he held as a khalifa Yawel, and the sheer responsibility that the members of the jamaat had put on his shoulders by this election he led the funeral prayers of hazamulvi nuruddin which was followed by his burial and thus in this state of turmoil started a new era
0: of the second khilafat. I mean, unfortunately there was some turmoil, but uh, God stood with the community in every respects. And um, it turned out that Mulvi um, Muhammad Ali saw withdrew with some of his companions and they went to uh, uh, Lahore. From a worldly perspective, their desertion had left the Jamaat in a, a nondescript and desperate situation. The Jamaat treasury had only 17 rupees left and the bulk of important documents and paperwork taken away by the Lahori group of uh, Muhammad Ali. uh, Some among the party of Molvi Muhammad Ali even claimed that the Jamaat at Qadiyan would be in shambles within 10 years. This uh, loss would not shake the resolve of Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih Sani, that's the second uh, caliph, a man with nerves of steel who received the following revelation from God Almighty, and I'll quote I will give superiority to thy followers over those who rejected thee till the day of judgment. So, this was in um, Suhana Fazal Umar, volume 1, page 153. So, Difficult times, but Allah always uh, had his helping hand with the community and with the second uh, Caliph. So Yusuf, just take us through these uh, early years of his Khilafat.
2: Yeah, and Hazrat uh, Muzab Bashiruddin obviously uh, was known as, um, as Muslim out, and he was very keen in terms of spreading the message of uh, the Promised Messiah, as we've already alluded, um, to the corners of the earth, and, and to strengthen the foundations of the Jamaat. Um, as much as possible during his caliphate, uh, you can see this in terms of traces back to the Hazrat Umar as well of uh, early Islam in terms of how he established uh, certain establishments and institutes and so forth. And uh, Hazrat Mus- Muslim, very early on, uh, undertook the formation of Majlis-e-Shura, and, and this is an advisory body and probably one of his greatest achievements to caliphate. And um, and this was uh, first convened on the fifteenth of April, nineteen twenty-two a body that would come together, which was second uh, to only Qalafat, and offer advice. And, and this is something that's mentioned in the Quran and early Islam as well, uh, where consensus is sought on varying different matters of uh, Sharia, finance, education, uh, etc., and, and and to lead the affairs of the community. Hazrat Muslim had a very powerful uh, personality. When keeping uh, his company, it was impossible not to be in, uh, affected by him, a very infectious uh, personality in a very good way. His magnetic personality drew people closer to him, uh, including, you know, respected people like Jodhri Muhammad Ali Sahib, and um, those that had met Muslim muslimad you know, could attest to this in terms of how he was. Huzum Bashiruddin Ahmad's entire life was marked by an insatiable thirst for knowledge and a great desire to search and seek knowledge, as is the Hadith, you know, even if you have to go as far as China to be able to do this, but his through his pen and his addresses and his literary works and, and, and the public addresses he gave, a range of topics from the um, existence of God to many other sort of a political and, and social topics.
0: Absolutely. So, as Muslim Maud, uh, who, as you've reminded listeners, we call the promised son and the second caliph, constantly encouraged the Jamaat to keep the banner of Islam flying high at all times For example, in 1923, when the Hindus of India launched a widespread campaign to convert Muslims to Hinduism, Hazrat Muslim rose to the occasion and launched a counter-campaign. It proved to be such a success that not only were Muslims no longer being led astray, but Hindus themselves started to embrace Islam. This inspired Hazrat Muslim. to organize gatherings designed to inform non Muslim audiences of the beauties of Islam. So, uh, meetings like Siratul Nabi and Religious Founders' Days held to this day have their origins in Hazrat Muslim Awad uh, Khilafat and continue to attract thousands of people to Amdiyat. As his uh, fame spread to all corners of the world, he won many non amdiyat admirers. Uh, when Hazrat uh, Muslim Awad stopped at some Arab uh, Countries en route to his tour of Europe, one newspaper in Damascus stated about him, and I'll I'll read it. It says, "Majesty and magnanimity is evident from his face. His eyes reflect extraordinary knowledge and intelligence. When you face him, you realize that you are standing in front of a person who understands you very well. Before you could understand him, he is always smiling, which sometimes is hidden and sometimes becomes apparent." He will marvel at the meanings and awe hidden behind his mantle. So Munir, let's move to the establishment of the structure of the Jamaat because it really goes back to his Khilafat period, what we witness.
1: One of the most important things to remember is, is a true leader which is appointed by Allah Ta'ala himself is someone who can establish very, very strong leadership through strong structures. And those strong structures over time can be assessed. And we can say now, as a living example, all of us, that those structures that have been established by Muslim Ahud have gone from strength to strength and continue to go to strength to strength. And it is a a clear indication of democracy in terms of how they are working compared to our structures. So at an early and indeed crucial feature of Hazrat Muslim Ahud's Khilafat was the consolidation of the Jamaat's administrative structures. He was a man gifted with extraordinary organisational visions. He had a, an enormous vision that helped to establish numerous schemes, initiatives and departments to improve the Jamaat's efficiency, effectiveness and performance and it is there to see that. Nazirats or di- directorates were set up to streamline the workings of Sadar Anjaman Ahmadiyya with dedicated teams overseeing MAAL, which is finance, Divan, which is human resources, Islah Shad the moral reformation, Talim, education, Di'afat, hospitality, and amur kharja external affairs, amongst others. But these were the key ones that uh, were established. Inspired by the counsel of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu emphasizing the acquisition of knowledge, Hazrat Muslim Maud was committed to providing the best education to members of the Jamaat. That was the fundamental aspects of education, 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 right from the birth to the grave. And under his Khilafat, the Talimul islam School was established in Rabba in April 1952. And two years later, Talimul islam College was also inaugurated there on the 6th of December 1954. Likewise, a college of girls, the Jamia Nusrat, uh, Nusrat was founded in 1951 to encourage females to excel in their academic endeavours. An industrial school was also started in the same year to train the girls in different trades. And you can see this covered everyone, the children, the girls, the boys, the youth, the elders, the whole spectrum and the whole gambit of the Jamaat. And as the nature and the needs of the Jamaat grew, Hazrat Muslim Aoud established auxiliary wings and auxiliary organisations which we are all very familiar with for specific categories of memberships. And over the time, as we can see now, living example, we are very familiar with the five which I will mention. Majlis Ansarullah, which was formed on the 26th of July, 1940, and that's for men aged 40 and over. Lajnai Maullah, which was established on the 25th of December, 1922, for ladies, 15 and over. And Majlis Khudam al which was established on the 25th of December, 1938, for aged boys from 15 to 40, and Nasrat ul-Ahmadiya, which was established in 1928, for the girls from 7 to 15, and Majlis Atfal ul which was established on the 26th of July, 1940, for boys between 7 to 15. And as you can see, that covers the full spectrum of the whole of the Jamaat and the whole of the people
0: as you said uh, the, these auxiliary organizations exist till today g- giving strength to the community this is probably a good place for us to have a break and we will carry on inshallah with the life and services of uh, um, Khalifat al-Masih II so let's have a short break and we'll uh, join our listeners Assalamu alaikum
1: Ya, ya The the one who illuminates
2: all with his divine light. Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. La
0: ilaha
2: illallah
0: Muhammadur Rasulullah Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to our second part on the life and services of Aziz uh, muslim with the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, so we finished uh, part one on the auxiliary organization structure that he established and that the Jamaat still benefits in this day and age as well. Uh, from the start, the Amdiya Muslim community had faced opposition and one of the earliest coordinated and large campaigns against the, the Amdiya Muslim community occurred in 1934 during the Khilafat uh, of Aziz bin Mahmud. A political group calling itself the Araar, a party of nationalist Muslims, became the main agitators against the community. The Arar had close links with the Hindu Congress, and having seceded from the Congress, they held a meeting on 4th May 1931 in Lahore, and formed the Majlis arar islam which was to become a thorn on the side of the Amdi community, and even in Pakistan they play a big part in opposition. Though they had uh, cut themselves off from the Congress, the Arar continued to flirt with that body right up to the partition. So just tell us a little bit about the Arar and what they did, uh, Yusuf.
2: Yeah, so the, this this was obviously, as you mentioned, an, an uprising um, during that time. But there was a governor uh, at that time, Sir Herbert uh, Emerson. He wasn't on very good terms with us, a Muslim out, and therefore he wanted to look at any opportunity that could damage the credibility of the of the community. So he gave the irar certain permissions and, and which then led to sort of some defamatory type of actions and languages and outpourings and conferences. But this is
0: the part of their planned um, meeting or conference in October 1934, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely.
2: But but I think later on, obviously Sir Herbert Emerson realized and, uh, you know, spoke to Sir Chaudhry of Khan Saab, and said that, you know, he, he understood the justification of annoyance from Hazar Muslim out and that, now that everything was trying was resolved and remediated, that they could put an end to this, and that's when we come on to sort of that planned conference by the Irar, which was to be held on the 21st of October 1934. So, in the playground of the Dianand uh, Anglo-Vedic uh, High School in Rajada. it's a village only a mile away from Gardian and this is where the conference attached an audience of many thousands, and where a popular Rari speaker. Sayyid Attaullah Shah Bukhari delivered a five-hour tribite against the um, And Bukhari was uh, prosecuted for the speech and convicted at the conclusion of a sensational trial which uh, created more interest and anti-Ahmadiyah feelings than the speech itself. So since then, every Arab speaker of note has been saying one thing or another against the Jamaat and, and Amdis, their leaders and, and the beliefs. So,
0: um Another very, very significant and one of the probably most important contributions by Muslim Maud um, was the spread of um, Ahmadiyyad uh, in other uh, parts of the world as well. And following this agitation, of course, he launched a new scheme called Tariq jadid or the new scheme uh, dedicated to the propagation of Islam overseas. And we're going to discuss this in a little bit more detail, Munir, if you could tell us.
1: This scheme was based on 27 demands and it uh, contained comprehensive details all in praising provisions as well uh, for every Jamaat member. And it was important to establish the oneness of God, restoring uh, the dignity of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the true Islam itself as well and to establish the righteous society. So in the beginning, Muslim out demanded to the Jamaat for the first time 27,500 rupees for the Jamaat. Within only one and a half months, the community made a cash contribution of 29,712 rupees. And in the first year, that 29,000 went to 103,000 pounds, were presented. In the second year, 110,000. I think this is a history that we can see even now, that whenever promises are being made on e- any scheme, and in particular Jadid, schemes, the Jamaat nationwide and even in every country exceeds beyond its own proportions. And those, in the early days, you can see 110,000 was presented. And then in the third year, 140,000. And the scheme was optional for three years only. Later, extended seven years, then 10 years. And then on the completion of 10 years, it was further extended by Hazar Muslim out in 19 years in 1953. And then after the 19 years, it is now a permanent scheme. And as a direct result of the Jamaat's preaching activities, uh, this goes from strength to strength. Members have actually been trained to become missionaries where we have been posted uh, throughout the world. It's gone beyond the Indian subcontinent, and the fruits of the scheme can be seen everywhere throughout the world. 46 missions were established abroad, including the, um, including America, Europe, Africa. First mission outside the Indian subcontinent was set up uh, in London by Hazrat Chaudhry Fateh Mohammed Sahil More than 30 mosques were built, including Masjid Fazil in London. And furthermore, over 15 colleges and schools were operating successfully in various countries. It is this tariq which, in Hazrat al eyes, would be stepping stone to the establishment of a new world order and ultimately to occur through the Overseas schemes launched by the Promised Messiah.
0: And again, we will see in, throughout the documentaries we do on the history of Hamad, the, the benefits of really tariq e jadid and the overseas missions as well. So coming to another very, very important phase uh, in the, the history of the Andi Muslim community and generally the Muslims of uh, the subcontinent, the partitioning of India, uh, between India and uh, Pakistan. The Islamic Republic of Pakistan, uh, which was a, a small piece of the former Muslim kingdom of the Mughal dynasty, owes its existence to the efforts and sacrifices of many nationalist Muslim leaders of the Indian subcontinent both the Promised Messiah and uh, Mahdi al Islam Khalifa al masih II had seen dreams and visions, the, uh, visions that revealed aspects of the migration with which the community would be confronted. On September 1894, the Promised Messiah received a revelation in Urdu. The words were: The stigma of migration. It was a short, striking, and deeply poignant uh, warning of the mass migration, which was to take place 50 years later in following the partition of Pakistan and India, and in which the Amdiya movement would be submerged when it moved from Kadian. The migration would stand as one of the most important turning points in the history of Amdiya and which would shape the functioning of the movement for decades to come. So, um... Again, take us through this migration period, uh, Yusuf. Yeah,
2: uh, absolutely, Dr. Ball. So as we can see, you know, from time immorial um, migrations can happen for a variety of different reasons and, and people can, um, you know, migrate due to persecution mm-hmm. or separation. Obviously, in this instance, of uh, it was a creation of two new nations, you know, you, you, Pakistan and, and, and India. And, and what we saw was a, a, a massive migration, probably one of the largest in terms of 14 million people that were crossing the borders. So th- this came, this inevitability of the revelations that you've mentioned and dreams actually became paramount when the British Parliament on July 18, 1947, passed this act called the Ind- Indian Independence Act and that was the finalisation of what the partition between Pakistan and India would look like. And within that, I don't think they uh, realised themselves in terms of what the problems this could create. The, the staggering amount of movement, the the massacres that uh, also occurred, the violence that was perpetrated, and, and the suffering that people you know from small children to women etc. with that migration, um, again obviously leaving uh, leaving Guardian, which is the birthplace of the Promised Messiah Islam, and a the significance for members of the Jamaat and has a Muslim out him, uh, himself, um, it was a it was a massive thing to want to be able to migrate, but also to be able to keep uh, assurance of the safety of its members. So, you know, in, in those dreadful days, whilst all this was going on, rest assured that no MD had caused any hurt in any way or danger or injurious uh, injury to any other non-Muslim. And Qadiyan was obviously on the Indian side of uh, the border. And, and like I said, it was, you know, um, men, women, children and so forth had to be able to migrate. But one of the things that Hazrat muslim Al did was left 313 people, known as the Darwesha which is similar to what we see in the, in the Battle of, Mother, of Mother, uh, with yeah. the Holy Prophet yeah.
0: yeah, this was a painful uh, period, but, uh, you know, sacrifices had to be made and the Khalifat al-Masih decided that uh, they would support uh, Jinnah's vision of Pakistan and migrate to uh, the Pakistan side, leaving these um, uh, Darveshis behind. And on the 31st August 1947, the mosque, schools, offices and homes were closed and locked and a convoy of vehicles proceeded out of Kadian. Um It must have been a very, very painful uh, uh, period. The upheaval and the uncertainty was not just uh, at an individual, human level. It was also at an institution level as the community ceased to have a headquarters and all of the central institutions of the movement were uh, disrupted. So Manir, take us through the new phase the community had to go the through. The
1: new phase, I mean, one of the most important things to say is whenever the Jamaat has had a crisis, it has come and expanded and moved to success and expansion from strength to strength. And this is even up to now. So Khalifa al-Masih and his colleagues and workers moved to Lahore and others rallied around the Khalifa as well within uh, Lahore itself because they were summoned there within Pakistan. The Khalifa was, the, was confronted with an enormous problem of resettlement, rehabilitation, reorganization, everything from, from Qadian to Pakistan. This was tremendous undertaking. Unsurprisingly, uh, Muslim Aud was under great strain in these dark days and he suffered great anxiety concerning the situation of Qadian and the bre- branches of the community in India who were in these moments of upheaval without spiritual leadership and the guidance had no means of communications with the Khalifa. So the immediate problem of the Khalifa was the organization of the Center for the Movement in Pakistan. A diligent search was undertaken to find a suitable site for establishing the center of the community, given the circumstances of Qadiyan. The choice of the site was soon made, an application was made to the new Pakistan government to purchase an area of land just over a thousand acres about three miles long and one mile wide. The land was barren and infertile. Not a single blade of grass had ever even spouted there. And it was at the bank of the river of Chinab, about 95 miles west of Lahore, and near the road that ran from Lahore to Sargoda. The water available within the area was unfortunately salty and unpalatable, but it was hoped that a supply of drinkable water could be secured.
0: Well, this is interesting because this is the foundation of uh, uh, Rabwa, and so uh, this small town uh, was constructed in short time. But you've described it, It is totally in uh, in fertile and um, uh, Rabwa means a high place or an elevated land, as it was some six hundred feet above sea level and some twenty feet above the nearby plains. Uh, this was the name given in the Holy Quran to the region where Jesus. Uh, Al eventually found shelter, and in due course, a plan of the town was drawn. Under so, Yusuf, if you could take us through the early stages of development. Yeah, of,
2: absolutely, uh, and and you know, you, you guys have um, described it eloquently in terms of you know being a barren land, nothing there, and having to relocate, and with all the turmoil that was going on with the separation that's occurred in in, in terms of Pakistan and India, and, and leaving obviously the land of the promised Pasala Islam. So, what has a Muslim out, and we discussed this that his his vision, his mentality, and and, and the blessing of Allah, that, the way he could think, he was able to uh, very quickly, um, you know, in terms of uh, creation of temporary accommodation, buildings, institutions, etc., to be able to establish a new headquarters and, and to be able to ensure to the members it, uh, for its safety and, and also communication back with Gardian and other uh, other parts of the world where uh, uh, the Jamaat was uh, uh, spreading. So, you know, better in, in due course, naturally, uh, better accommodation was provided in, in Ravwa, the electricity um, uh, was, was set up through a grid. Um, you know, telephone communications were established. And within several years, what you saw was a, a land that was barren was now fortified with having a uh, number of people populated within it, you know, starting for about 45,000 inhabitants. But every year the Jalsa would happen, you would see numbers up to 250,000. And um, the, the the Masjid Mubarak that we're cognizant in, Qadiyan, was established in Pakistan. And obviously we've got it in uh, uh, Islamabad, the murkas now as well and that could house 5,000 worshippers I mean within a very short
0: time Dubai became an amazing place really and it was Absolutely. the hard work, the vision and the planning of the Um-Dia Muslim community that helped develop uh, an incredible town out of nothing, virtually out, out, out of nothing and uh, many people praised the community and um, Khalifa, the, our second caliph uh, for that but unfortunately over time uh, problems started arising in Pakistan, and um, there were, uh, you know, further uh, agitations. Uh, despite the uh, community being well wishes of Pakistan, despite being involved in, uh, uh, in a nationhood as well, and um, I, I mentioned in terms of praise of uh, the second Caliph, uh, the, the Muslim press praises leadership, which has resulted in a successful liberation. Um, of Kashmiri Muslims, because not only did he support the cause of Pakistan, he supported the Kashmiri struggle as well. And i just read a quote from one of the newspapers. It says, at the time when the condition of Kashmir was uh, critical, those close to Azat Mirza Sahib, despite doctrinal differences, made a perfect choice. Had they not chosen Mirza Sahib because of the difference in their beliefs, this movement would have ended in uh, utter failure and would have resulted in major loss for the Muslim Ummah. So his support for Kashmir, Pakistan itself, Jinnah's vision was highly recognized. But as I said, unfortunately, um, you know, there were people who were agitating against the Muslim community. But uh, um, I just want to read another point uh, just quickly, and that is the, the vision set out by um, Jinnah in terms of formation of Pakistan and why the Amya community was so supportive. And I'll just read uh, his message to the Constituent Assembly. You are free, you are free to go to your temples, you are free to go to your mosques or to any other places of worship in this state of Pakistan. You may belong to any religion or caste or creed that was that has nothing to do with the business of the state. We are starting with this fundamental principle that we are all citizens and equal citizens of one state. He goes on, now I think we should keep that in front of us ...as our ideal and you will find that in course of time Hindus would cease to be Hindus and Muslims would cease to be Muslims... ...not in the religious sense because that is the personal faith of each individual but in the political sense as citizens of the state. A clear message from Jinnah but unfortunately as I said he died very quickly after partition and uh, Liakati's Prime Minister didn't stay for very long... ...and agitation started taking place against Jinnah's vision... The Amdi's because they had prominent place and prominent members like Chaudhry Zafrullah Khan Sahib, M.M.A. and others, and even in the army they were prominent figures. So with the first few disturbances um, we saw in 1953. Munir, perhaps uh, you could just relate to those disturbances, uh, um, um, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, the disturbances were direct result of the rejection of the Khwaja Nazimuddin, uh, the Prime Minister of Pakistan. Uh, ultimately delivered uh, to him in Karachi on the 21st of January by a deputation of ulama who'd been authorized to do so by the Majlis-e-Amla, constituted by the Al-Pakistan Muslim Party convention held in Karachi from the 16th to the 18th of January. The ultimatum was to the effect that if within a month uh, the Qadiani Ahmadis were not declared non-Muslim minorities and Chaudhry Sufullah Khan, the foreign minister who is an Ahmadi and other Ahmadis occupying key posts, in the state, not removed from their offices, the Majlis-e-Amla would resort to direct action. So at the conference of the central ministers and representatives of West Pakistan province held in the early hours of the morning on the 27th of February, it was decided to reject the ultimatum and to arrest the prominent members of Majlis-e-Amla in Karachi and some leaders at the movement in, uh, in Punjab. The disturbances commenced immediately after and as a direct result of these arrests.
0: I mean, this is such a tragedy because a lot of these Molvis who were leading this agitation had been totally against Pakistan from its formation. Uh, they had uh, called Qaidi Azam Kafre Azam. Uh, just to give an example, uh, Molvi Azar Ali uh, used to ridicule Qaidi Azam Ahmad Ali Jana. Uh, and this is a couplet uh, from the he wrote islam That's in relation to the marriage of Jinnah to uh, Parsigal. Uh, you know, things like, and Madhudi and many of the others were totally against um, uh, Jinnah and the formation of Pakistan, uh, etc. But as a result of um, uh, this agita- agitation uh, in, in Pakistan, there was an inquiry that was held by the government called the Munir Report. And they went into the details of why these agitations took place, who was behind it, etc. And they showed that these were all people who were anti-Pakistan, uh, against Pakistan. But as a result of these agitations, another great scheme was launched by um, our second Caliph, as Muslim Madrasa Alan Ho, and that was the Work for Jiddid scheme, Yusuf, um, because out of all these troubles, like Tariq jadid in 34 this scheme now you see the fruits of it so just take a take us through what happened yeah and
2: just 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 prior to going on to that just noteworthy for the listeners that um the IRA obviously wanted to declare Ahmadis as non-muslims as well which we obviously see a lot of that going on now but yeah absolutely this new legacy of Muslim Muslimat was the initiation of work and, and what it literally means is new dedication and its aims were quite simple in intensify the preaching uh, efforts within the rural areas of uh, Pakistan India and Bangladesh and uh, to be able to take across the, the true message of Islam. And it, and it was set up in 1957, and, um, you know, as a Muslim are al- declared, there is a, a seed sowed by Allah the Almighty himself. So what he stated in Al-Fazil, I'll just re- uh, read it out. Uh, this is the work of Allah uh, Almighty uh, God, and it will certainly be done. Since uh, Almighty God has put this scheme into my mind, I will do its duty, even if I have to sell my house and my clothes, Almighty God will separate those people who will not support me and will send angels from heaven for my help. If our Jamaat wishes to prosper, it will have to extend its preaching activity in every quarter. There is no need to amplify considerably our efforts so that our voice uh, may reach every house in every town. So indeed, this new zeal for the tabligh was a, a, a exemplary and, and it was unequaled. And as early as December 1917, he sort of launched his work for Zindagi scheme. And, and by 1928, it had also inaugurated the jamiyas that we see now across the whole of the globe. And this then, of course, takes us to a new level of leadership and accomplishments and the construction of ravvan One Pakistani newspaper commented, and I'll quote, as immigrants, Ravvar is an example of us. Six million immigrants have moved in Pakistan, but they are helpless, devastated and scattered. We have always been criticising Ahmadis because of their beliefs, but their organization, brotherhood and mutual support in the time of need had resulted in the beginning of a uh, building of a new Qadiyan before our own eyes. Oh, it
0: was uh, this managerial skill that made the Muslim mouth, uh, the envy of uh, uh, other sects. Um, the remarkable uh, impact of us Muslim mouth uh, uh, made on peoples and nations of the world can never and should never be underestimated. Of course, you know, he was the heart of the Amdi Muslim community, but he had impact on the subcontinent in a big way, and the world, uh, generally speaking. Despite the many conspiracies that were hatched against the Jamaat, he overcame every obstacle with amazing courage, ensuring that the caravan of Amadeed confidently moved forward, attaining success after success, how enormous is our debt to him? No doubt Allah will retain his memory on earth till eternity. Munir, uh, I think in his own words, if you could uh, uh, just, just take us through of his achievements.
1: So on the occasion of uh, Jalsa Salana in 1961, Hazrat muslim himself promised uh, that I declare, depending on the favours and the blessings of Allah, that my name shall be preserved in the world forever. Although I will die one day, my name shall never be erased from history. This is a decree of Allah. If not today, then after 40 years, or 50 years, or maybe 100 years, history will decide for itself whether this statement is right or wrong. No doubt I will not be present at the time, but one thing is for certain, that whenever the history of Islam in Ahmadiyyat is going to be written, then every Muslim historian will be duty-bound and compelled to mention my name in that history. History will not be complete without the mention of my achievements. And may we never forget the wonderful and indispensable services of Hazrat Muslim Maud rendered to Islam. May his memory indeed be etched in the world forever. And may Allah continue to send such illustrious servants as will always guide and inspire each and every one of us. Ameen.
0: You know, we started this program with the prophecy given to the promised Messiah, Madhi al-Islam, about the promised son. And when you look at his 51 years of Khilafat in particular, even his early childhood phases, it really amazes you that how God has fulfilled that prophecy in every way. Um, you know, taking the community through some major, major phases. Uh, the, the split was a major blow, but look how he overcame it. And look at now where the Amdiya community stands, and where sadly those who left the Amdiya Muslim community. And then the way he inspired members and established Qadian as a major center, then after partition, how Rabbah was established, how we provided the moral support for Jinnah as well. In fact, Jinnah coming back to Pakistan to lead the movement was, again, an achievement of uh, Khalifa Sani, R.A., he instructed uh, Maulana Darad Sahab at the London Mission to say to Jinnah, please, you need to go back to lead the Muslims. So, Pakistan owes a great debt to him. The Angli Muslim community, of course, does, but so does Pakistan. And then, when you read, uh, when you look at uh, the uh, Holy Quran's translations, tafsir, you know, tafsir al Kabir, tafsir al Sagir, all the different books that he wrote, absolutely amazing, really, the information that he provided so much. Uh, uh, in depth. Um, and then we also mentioned the tours that he did of uh, uh, Europe. His 1924 tour, um, he, he came to g- give the talk on the truth of the uh, It was a religious conference, wasn't it? The of the empire's uh, re- religions in, in London when he came and he gave the paper. And um, I think uh, there's a book uh, out of it, which is the Ahmadiyyat of the True Islam. And that book is an absolutely amazing book, isn't it? Uh, so there was so many I just to mention of it so Tafsir Kabir Sagir um uh, Daawat Amir Islam uh, mein ikhtilafat ka Aghaaz, uh, I, there, there's a whole so many lists of uh, books to read but sadly uh, he was a human being like we all are and we all have to face uh, our maker at some stage so I'm going to uh, conclude this with the uh, the, the stage of really where he's passing away, and that was on the so on the November 8th, 1965, at nearly 2 a.m. before the Muslim Maud passed away at the age of 77. He possessed a unique combination of qualities of leadership, organizational genius, trust in God, courage, depth of knowledge, and in many fields, and personal magnetism. No doubt his 51 to 52-year-long Khilafat represented a golden period of the history of Ahmadiyyad. And in this person, the prophecy regarding the Muslim Muslimah was truly fulfilled, as we said uh, uh, earlier on. Um, We hope that listeners have found this useful. I want to thank Munir and Yusuf for their uh, uh, contributions today. Um, the Jamaat and the world as I said owes a lot to Muslimad the promised son and the second caliph of them the Muslim community inshallah in the next program we will do the, the life and services of the third caliph as well uh, until then uh, we need to say our salams before I go just to remind you please do visit the website www.voiceofislam.co.uk and look at the 4244 I don't know how many programs there are already but uh you can listen to them on SoundCloud. Uh, do give your feedback on Twitter as well. It's um, asht- uh, at vi living history. Uh, you can give your feedback as well, or even email uh, as as well at Voice of uh, Islam as well. So until next time, As-Salaam-Alaikum.